Hello. <laughs> I'm so glad. Welcome to the Robcast. <laughs> oh, that's so great. You just yeah, took over. I'm welcoming you to the Robcast. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming. Yeah, I didn't either. Oh, strong moves, Kristen Bell, right out of the gate. My friends, we are back. Robcast episode 253. We have a fig tree. Oh, yes, we do. Uh, I took a little break there. Yes. I had to st- walk away. Had Summer. To, you know, do all that, store it up. And now we're back in the game. So, my Robcast friends, how could I come back without Kristen Bell being involved? Because I'd actually had an idea for the first episode. But then you said something the other day about our fig tree. This episode is called We Have a Fig Tree. You said something about our fig tree that like completely connected the whole episode. So then instead of just doing it, I was like, I should do it with you and almost like show you my notes about what I was going to say and then have you comment on them. And suddenly Great. that seemed like such a better thing to do. Yeah, let's make it fun. <laughs> uh, speaking of fun... Uh, the Introduction to Joy Tour, there's a few cities left. The tour rolls on. So this weekend, this next weekend, I'll be uh, Chicago at Park West Theater, which, I mean, Chicago, whew, uh, deep in my heart, that place. And then I'll be in Champaign, Illinois on Saturday. So Friday night, Chicago, Saturday night, Champaign, and then Sunday, Indianapolis. And I don't think I've been to Indianapolis in four years. So um, I know there's a couple of tickets. There's some tickets for Chicago. I don't know how many tickets are available for the other two, um, but uh, would love to see you there. I always tell people it's more fun if they're there. It is, isn't it? (laughs) Um, So uh, this, uh, here's what I want to explore in this episode. I want to explore the, the relationship between Meaning and power, meaning and power and impermanence, because there's a distinction there. Uh, the 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 meaning of impermanence, and then I want to explore the relationship between nostalgia and scarcity. Um, and I've observed in you, you you have this way of understanding space and time. But I've, and I've watched you, like, superpower it. Like, I've watched you grow in this that's so um, admirable and extraordinary. So I sort of want to pull out what I've observed in you. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward and, to it. Um, it has such poignancy for me right now just because of this past month. Um, and I want to start with your observation about our fig tree because there was this electri- electrician here fixing something on the house the other day and he says to me because we have a fig tree right in front of our front door and he's like I mean he'd been he'd been working on the house for like a half hour an hour and he's like is that a fig tree but what makes me laugh is how many people come to our house and mention the fig tree right or they're like what is that right well it's very unusual when they start to ripen because they I don't know. They just, they hang there and, and most people haven't seen a fig before. <laughs> they haven't seen I mean, one maybe, in real life. Maybe dried figs. Yeah. But um, unless you see them 
on a tree or you, yeah, I know somebody who has a fig tree and they give you some, um, they're very rare. Yeah. Because, and the reason why they're so rare is because you have to let them ripen on the tree. If you pick them too soon, they taste terrible. So you have to let them ripen on the tree and then pick them when they're perfectly ripe. And then once you pick them, they only stay good for like two or three days in the refrigerator. So that's why you, ra- I mean, I think it's, I've never seen um, figs in a grocery store unless they're dried. Because I literally can't be right. harvested, not transported, time. and set out in right. a store. Right. I literally we've had like I've had like seen like UPS delivery. I know guy we, like Gilbert be like, wait, what is that? Well, we actually have so <laughs> many that ripen all around the same time, which just happened in August. Um, that I literally put a yes, sign this is why I on bring... the tree for all the you know UPS or. Whoever People coming and going from our FedEx house. FedEx or whoever comes <laughs> to the door, like, please take some. Here's, l- here's some bags. She literally taped a sheet of paper to, to the, the tree, tree and then put a stack of bags under the tree. And the bags all... Oh, I know, and people did it. ...are gone. Yeah. Like, people got it. I was yeah. like, that is the... What is my wife? That is the weirdest well, thing. And yet it be, worked. I hate to see them be wasted because they're so <laughs> precious. But I literally can't keep up with them. And... And they, they are so delicious when they're perfectly ripe, but they're also very sweet. So you, you can't eat too many of them. So there, when you made, when you said that the other day, oh, that's why you never see them in a store. Right. Um, and then that electrician had said to me, wait, is that a fig tree? He said it like, is that a pile of gold? Like he said it. Well, like I, he had come across like a I remember the first something. time I tasted a fig was in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I remember being absolutely blown away by the taste. Like, what is this? This is one of the best things I've ever tasted. It it really is. Like, if you have that experience and then you realize how hard they are, like, you just can't find them. When you do see them, you get a little excited. So if you tell me about that experience <laughs> in South Africa and I say, oh, I grew up eating Fig Newtons. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I guess those are dried figs that they grind up and put sugar, make, make some sugar in there, and, <laughs> and corn syrup, and some whatever it is. Who knows? Um, and and the reason why that hit me is the the value, the power, the the meaning, the preciousness. They're very yes. precious. The preciousness, the the joy of a fig comes from the temporary fleeting nature of its ripeness. Yeah. And like all and suddenly all the people who have come and gone from our place who are who get that like, wait, what is that? Is that a fig? That that sort of um conspiratorial are, are we seeing a fig tree in the wild? Uh is because of the fleeting nature of the fig tree. The, the figs are ripe for like three hours or something, or two days. Right, and it adds to their... And then they're gone. It adds to their specialness. Yeah. So there, are the, there is a power and a meaning that comes from uh, longevity, from duration. You and I earlier this year 
celebrated 25 years of marriage. Right. It's just the best. Right. Like there is a power that comes from our history together, from longevity, from resilience, from all the shared memories between us. Right. Or I, I think of like when we travel in England. I was just, oh my goodness, I was just going to say that. We get so excited about these historic buildings. Right. Um, Cathedrals. Like what's that style that reminds me of Charles Dickens? You know, the, the dark beams with the white, and they're kind of like leaning yeah, a bit. Yeah, right, right, right. I don't know what uh, it, those are called. We always but think about it as like Shakespeare. Um, I'll think of it. Somebody right now listening is like, duh, I know, it's whatever. I know, but, and we get like, when we walk through old towns yeah. in England, like yeah. Ipswich, we yeah. get so excited because you can like feel the history, like all yeah. the things that happened here. And the locals are like, why are you, remember in Ipswich, people are like, why do you like Ipswich? It's so normal. We were like, because. Oh, look at these so, old churches. Right. and Our idea of old architecture is a Taco Bell with a curved roof. <laughs> <laughs> Remember those? Like the Adobe style Taco Bells? We get excited. Well, like, I was Ooh. thinking about Whataburger with the pointy <laughs> roof. <laughs> right. So there is, this, there is this resonance, this gravitas from things that have been around for a while. Uh, you see the Mona Lisa, you see, um, so whether it's architecture, art, whether it's just a tree, like that uh, tree on the corner down there, a couple of blocks down, that Oh, that m- huge one. Massive, yeah. maybe eucalyptus, that just sort of... It's not eucalyptus. I don't know I what it is. I just demonstrated how much I know I know what trees. eucalyptus are, but I don't know what it is, but it has just a, yeah, it's just has a beautiful and I've been out walking with friends kind of whitish and people trunk. just stop and stare at that tree. It might be some sort of oak. So there is that sort of power and meaning and weight and resonance. But then there's also another kind at the opposite end of the spectrum. Not something that's going to be here forever. Not something it's here and then it's gone. Right. And that is another kind of the impermanence has a poignancy to it. Yes. And the, the reason why I, wa- I wanted to explore this with you is like this past month, uh, we get back from tour and uh, we, have, we have three kids. We have a 21-year-old son, a 19-year-old son, and we have a 10-year-old girl. And Trace, our 21-year-old, I got like this three weeks with him here before he goes and then just a couple days ago we moved him into his dorm for his last year of college so there was like this window do you mean three months or three weeks three weeks oh no just when i got back from tour there was like oh, this. oh i see i'm just on the end of this three week four week window when it was like he's home but i knew he was gonna leave right so we're like and then it's last year of college, so who knows where he goes from there. Right. I'm if, literally getting like... If he ever moves back home again, we don't know. Right. Like there's like a... Ver- uh, it's like making me verklempt right now. Right. Whew. Because that time uh, is so precious. Yes. And then um, I had sold my car a while ago, and Chris and I were sharing a car, but then our 10-year-old girl, Violet, was like, Dad, you need to get an electric car. We need to save the earth, um, which I love. <laughs> This is the same girl who earlier this summer, somewhere in a hotel room, said to me, Dad, I am a strong, independent woman. <laughs> she just has these, she is just fierce. Um, so, so she and I, we went out and we got this electric car. 
And then in the evenings, the past like month, she'll say like seven o'clock ish, seven thirty, Dad, let's go night driving. And then we go out. And then Taylor Swift released a new album on my birthday. And if you have a ten year old girl, then I think it's part of the law, isn't it? That you have to know the words to every single <laughs> Taylor Swift song because you hear them all the time. Right. Shout out to Taylor Swift. Um, so there's like this window here. Yeah, so every night she wants to go out driving in the electric car, blasting and, Taylor Swift songs. And she and I are like, and there was one of those nights, and it's like a summer night, and the windows are down, and we're up uh, in the Hollywood Hills, and uh, if you look north, and this we came around this one bend, and the lights of the valley are just... You know, it's just stunning. It's this like hot summer night and we pull over and she gets out and she walks over to the edge and she gets out her phone and she's taking these pictures of this stunning uh, nightscape. And it's just like, it's perfect. One night, Trace, uh, we invited Trace to come with us uh-huh. and we're out and he's like, hey, do you want to go to Bevmo? <laughs> we just discovered Bevmo in the neighborhood. Where which you get, is where basically, you get sparkling waters. <laughs> which is basically a drinks store. And we're obsessed with sparkling water and all the variations of sparkling water that are out there. And Violet's like, what's Bevmo? We're like, Violet, it's a drink store. And we go to Bevmo. I don't know how much money we spent on sparkling water. And there's just, it's like, it's perfect, but it's also impermanent. I don't know how long she's going to go on. I'll go to night driving with her dad. Right. Cause she tends I, to go through phases of things she's really into. Right. Cause then we might be playing soccer, soccer or we might be doing this or we might be doing that, but, but just, and it's like this awareness that there's this moment and it's going to pass and you can allow the sadness of its impermanence to creep in oh no, we're going to lose this. Right. You can try. Or you can allow that impermanence to simply heighten... The joy. The joy. The specialness, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing I want to get at. Because I... Well, I have a number of different directions I want to go. But I've noticed with you, over time, I've you just don't cling or grasp you're just here feeling the full joy of this moment I'm glad you see it that way I feel like I learned it when the boys were young I I learned that lesson because I had very strong impulses when they were young that I just wanted to bottle this stage like I love this so much I just want to bottle it and I just want to hang on to it I could like even in my body, I could just feel myself wanting to grasp onto something that can't be held. Yeah. And um, you can't hold time in your hands. No, and you can't stop development. Like it just happens. And um, I used to really feel sad about, I can't believe that stage is gone. And I just want to stop time. And I wish I could freeze them. Um, but I started to notice that that whenever they passed into a new stage, it was like there were all these new 
joys and experiences that I had never anticipated. And I never, ever wanted to go back to the old stage. Like I had very fond memories and I could think back about the good things about that stage, but I also had this, but I wouldn't want to trade where I am right now because this is so great too. And then I started to put together that I was robbing myself of the joy of the moment by adding all this sadness and clinging into the present. Mm-hmm. So um, I just realized that it was like unnecessary. I could fully enjoy this stage and then I would fully enjoy the next stage and it was all going to be okay. Oh, and see that's this relationship between, and that's what has helped me identify this relationship between nostalgia and scarcity. Is there isn't a nostalgia, a good memory that, it's energetically rooted in gratitude. Remember when we did that? Right. Remember when that happened? Remember when the kids were that age? Right. Remember when we had been only married that long? Remember when Trace was two and he used to like to make us laugh by throwing yeah. things downstairs and then he would come in like, oh, wasn't that funny? And how we've told the kids that we were so poor, we could afford to eat out once a month. Yeah, when we were first married. And the kids <clears throat> always bring that up and razz us about like the time you guys didn't have to... Like, that's like a beautiful memory we have when we were starting out together and we didn't have a lot of money like that's a but there's a gratitude and like a there's a nostalgia and a memory that's rooted in gratitude of wasn't that a great period of time but then there's also this nostalgia rooted in scarcity which is what I wanted to explore with you right which is there was that great moment back there and the universe a scarcity which doesn't believe that the universe can continue to generate moments of equal or greater power and meaning and joy. Right. That's exactly it. It's actually it. a view of your... It's rooted in a, a view of the fundamental fabric of the universe. Can it keep generating new creation? Right. Or are you left grasping and trying to stuff your pockets full of these little stones from way back there? Right. And our boys, these boys that I'm referring to are now 21 and 19. These boys. And, and it's true. It has been true all the yeah, way through. absolutely. Every stage, I'm like, this is awesome. I mean, obviously, there are some hard things about absolutely. different stages. Sure. But as far as like who they are, it's such a joy to watch them develop. Oh, my word. And these new things come into play that you didn't expect. Oh. Like... And the conversations we're having now. The like th- now being there's like this shift that's happening because our boys are adults right? where we have these interesting friendships with them. Yes. Where we talk about things that really matter to us and things that really interest us. And, um, it just feels like, um, like just all these new dimensions open up. Absolutely. It like goes from 2d to 3d to 4d. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm going to get biblical on you for a minute because, because that story I told you that made me kept thinking about this. Right. Made me keep thinking was this, uh, there's this story about Jesus and his students, um, in the gospels. It's, it's called the transfiguration. That's not really a, a word that we use in normal life, but, uh, transfiguration means like a change in form. But, uh, Jesus took three of us, takes three of his students up. Uh, uh, high on a mountain by themselves. And then it says, and literally the gospel writers just say he was transfigured before them. 
His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. It's a fairly hallucinatory experience. Right, right. And it's actually funny because the question, did he change or did they? Right. Did something... Did their perception change? Right, right. Or did he Who's actually change? Who's changing form? Yeah. Um, the story has all sorts of interesting... They suddenly see him. His face shines like the sun. His clothes become white as light. Uh, Moses and Elijah, which is a very Jewish way of saying the greatest hits from the past appear with him. Um, the law, the prophets. Uh, it's a very... That's like a, a wink to the history of these people. Um, but then Peter, which I've... This has always struck me. One of Jesus' disciples, the, the, the caffeinated student, who's like always the first, says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Um, and obviously, like for a young Jewish student, a shelter would be a Sukkot, which would be a remembrance of the time coming out of Egypt. So like building a shelter was something that's done to this day. Like we've been to friends who builds soup coats in their backyard mm-hmm. at the Feast of Tabernacles. That's like, that was a very ritual way of trying to capture a moment. Um, so it's not a weird that he would want that, but the fact that they're having this not out of body, well, it has elements. They're having this surreal experience in which reality itself is bending and they're caught up in something transcendent, out of body, however you want to say it. Right. And his first impulse is to, can we build a shelter? Freeze it. Right. He st- his thoughts start to think about, this is going to end. Right. And I don't want it to end. It's so good to be here. How do I capture it? Right. And how do I freeze it? Right. And how do I grasp it and turn the impermanent into the permanent? And in that moment, he's missing what's happening. Right. Right. Actually, one of the Gospels adds he did not know what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, kind of like he was out of his mind. Like, like, like you're so, it, like the anxiety is so high. Yeah. That this thing is going to leave, slip through our fingers. Um, right. So, so <laughs> I love it because it's like, what do religious people do? Uh, just build a building. <laughs> like, literally, like a shell of the experience, uh, as opposed to the experience. Yeah. So is there a response when he says that? Um, well, different gospels have different different versions of the story. One of them, uh, a divine voice affirms the Christ, this is my son. Um, so there are different responses, generally some form of terror. Um, and that's the, the whole story. And if you read the scholars on it, and there's always the people who are just like, well, this is what it means. But lots are like, yeah, that's just a, that's just a weird, it has such an artistic dimension to it. Like, it's not about making sense of it. It's about the right, meaning. Right, right. Um, they see the divine presence in their midst making something new. That's how I would translate it. They encounter this new creation, which and actually I would, I would argue the heart of the spiritual tradition is new creation. That's the story, that something new can be made out of even this, whatever it is, this joy, this tragedy, this mess, something, this abyss, this darkness, this confusion, this deconstruction, something new can come out of even this, which is why I go to that story because of nostalgia and scarcity. Right. Um, do you, 
this is all rooted in how we understand creation, the world we're living in. Is it capable of continuing to make more? And can we enter and participate in that more? Or are we stuck just endlessly looking back to these moments, right. idealized moments in the past? And you're introducing the idea that impermanence is good. Like, it actually adds to... <sighs> It adds to what we're experiencing in life. Even yes. if sometimes we don't want it or we resist it, um, we can look at it in a different way. Yes. And see, this is what uh, then shapes how we understand things because time lends things their significance. So you just have a bunch of possessions, like the shirt, a shirt, mm -hmm. a piece of art. But it's the moment in time and what was happening when you were wearing that shirt, when we bought that piece of art, the house that I hung it, whatever it is, it's, it's time that lends things their power. It's the event, it's the circumstance, it's the memory that lends things their stuff. And so you have this culture, our, our culture now, which is more and more and more just consume stuff, but that's not actually where the, the joy is. The joy is in the impermanence of the experience you were having, and there happened to be some physicality surrounding it that you attach to it. Hmm. So this is why the Sabbath was always so huge, is the Sabbath was about realigning your relationship to time. So they talk about how you take a day a week and you build a cathedral out of time, not space. Hmm. You treat time in the, in the way that you would normally treat physical objects, which is what's happened with you and I. Uh, more and more and more. This moment is the thing. Right. And there's so many ways to miss this moment. Yes. With our thoughts. Right. Right. Because they're bouncing all over trying to build a shelter, trying to grasp it. Right. Afraid that this is so good. I'm afraid that what comes next is not going to be as good. Yeah. And what happened to you and I is actually what came next was even better. Yeah. Yeah. Because it had all the gratitude of those memories and the wonder and innocence and awe of the new thing. Right. It's I like a musculature you build up. I think about this um, with aging as well. Like, yeah. Like a lot of people, and including me at times, have been sad about certain age milestones. But then I remember I've never wanted to go back. In time, I've never wanted like, oh, I wish I could be 23 again. I would, I would never trade mm -hmm. my experience of life right now for some previous time. I think partly because I've learned that, again, like with the kids, every stage has its new dimensions and depth and interesting things that are happening and yeah. um, ways that I'm seeing the world that yeah. are so much more free and full of life. Like as I mature and, and grow in depth, like life just keeps getting better. Absolutely. So uh, let's explore the political dimensions of this because of the idealized memory of a time when the country was great. Right. Um, that energy of we just need to get back. I mean, it happens in 
all lots well, of areas. It's kind of funny because you can't go back. Everything's changed. Right. We have new technologies. We have new like configurations of how cities are and I, I mean, right. you, can't, you can't go back in time. And then you think about the universe has been expanding for 13 billion years. So it's been doing a particular thing. It's been unfolding and moving forward. So uh, when people do, we just need to get back to how it was. We just need to make it great again. We just need to... Now, maybe something got lost along the way. Right, that there needs are to be certain retrieved. values. Absolutely. Values of the past that you can like remember. Like, you can reintegrate right. with this moment. Right. But you but um I've often noticed that that it's a failure to believe that there can be new creation going forward. So it actually going back to scarcity, um there was this moment. There's only a few of them. There was this moment and then it passed and it has almost like a grieving and sadness in it. I just wish it was how it was and not what new thing could come out of this. I mean, you see it in our country right now with, you think about globalization technology, you think about growing diversity, you think about all these extraordinary new challenges, and you can either resist them out of this new thing waiting to be birthed is bad, we need to go back, or you can embrace it. Right, imagination. challenge. Look at this. Yes. It takes imagination. So there's this relationship between scarcity and imagination that I find fascinating. Because imagination is rooted in a view of abundance. Right. This universe has been unfolding for 13 billion years making new stuff. It's fully capable of coming up with new stuff. Right. Or we're fully capable of reimagining what this could look right. like, even right, if right, even right. if we claim some of the values that we had in the past and like reintegrate them, right? Like you just put all those pieces and mix them up, and what can we? Right, right, right. So then I think about people you and I have interacted with who hate their job, but have a deep sense of disempowerment. I guess this is just my lot in life. And then I go to generosity and imagination. The universe has been making has been making all things new for billions of years. Mm. So it has a pretty good track record. Could that happen in your life? Or is this the only route possible? That there's this relationship between how you view the universe and how you view your own life unfolding. Right, right. That is so direct and visceral. It's just stunning. Don't you talk about like this... The spirit hovering over the waters. Oh, that is the best ever. I literally think that that poem has shaped me almost more than anything. It's like the first couple lines of the book of Genesis, the book of the Bible. Yeah. It's abyss. It's tohu vavohu is the word which I love saying. The, the dark water represents the abyss. Yes. So in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. It's a poem. But that darkness was over the waters. Okay. And in Jewish consciousness, waters is the unknown. It's the mess. It's the abyss. Yeah. It's the darkness. It's the unformed. It's everything that terrifies you and overwhelms you and keeps you awake at night, full right. of anxiety. And then spirit is hovering over the water. And spirit enters in. And out of it comes design, diversity, 
new creation according to their types, aesthetics. The tree so is what, pleasing. So what is the poem? Like the spirit hovers over the water and then yeah, what Yeah, it's the, the same image. Say? The image of the spirit hovering is the image of a bird's wings fluttering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I seriously think it's like literally shaped my neural pathways. I, Whatever I like this that is, image because it has like an energy. There's like, like a like, hovering energy. There's a, yeah, spirit so then, like vibrating. And, yes, um, yes. Oh, I like that. So first off. Wait, wait. So what comes next after the spirit's like vibrating? Then what does the poem say? Then you have the separation of water. You have the creation of the solar system. Like it goes through poetically separation. The creation of the world. Se- the creation of the world. And, and I would argue, well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. The poet is speaking of on creation not as a one-time thing. Creation as what right, this, this is, thing is always doing. This is art again. Which is where people it's, muck it up when they're like, well, that's not how the world was created. It's a, first off, it's a poem. So the well, poet's getting at deeper truths about the soul. It has a mythopoetic power to it. Well, it's, trying it's to describe an what image is true. that can like sink yes. deep and it invites you to, to apply it to like, right. what does this mean to you? Like what, right, right, right. kind of so, like looking at a piece of art, like what does this do to you? So it's then you find yourself stressed, you find yourself in tragedy, loss, pain, brokenhearted. Or even longing spirit, for the past. Longing for the past. Is spirit hovering over even these waters? This abyss, this darkness, this tohu vavohu, formless and void. Right, this confusion. Yes. um, Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about the milder forms that we find ourselves in. Just simply being overwhelmed. Right, or not knowing what's what's next. Absolutely. Or uh, you are handed a way of viewing the world by your tribe, and it no longer works. So you've just taken apart all these things you were handed that don't help you anymore. Right. And you can't and now imagine. now you're like, I don't even know how, I, what, right, how to see You can't things. imagine how you're going to put it back together and yeah. still have something solid. Yeah. And this enduring invitation is to, to look for where is spirit hovering over even these waters? What new creation can come out of even this, which is why you there's a website for a cancer foundation, and you go look on the section where it says about and the story of why somebody started this this foundation, this nonprofit, this humanitarian cause. It's always I lost my sister to cancer, I lost my dad to cancer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. always I went through some serious dark waters and something new. And now I'm looking for what can come out of this. What can come out of this. Yeah. So you have to grieve it. Yeah. You have to feel the full weight of whatever it is. Because if you skip over that part, it'll haunt you later. Yeah. So you have to be human and let yourself be angry and be disillusioned and shake your fists at the heavens. Like you, That's just part of it. Be angry and rage. Deny that there's a God. Like all that's, that's just normal. That's just part of it. Um, but then what gradually begins to happen is this, you begin to sense this fluttering. Yeah. Like I think something new. The energy. And if you, if you don't go through all that, what, oh, there we go. And that's why the nostalgia, especially the sort of political nostalgia, just gr- 
it hasn't properly grieved what was. Hmm. So it can't open itself up. Uh, the world isn't how it was. Yeah. And that's hard for some people. <laughs> yeah. Um, things that used to work don't work anymore. I even think about the parents who their kids are, are just still grieving the fact that their kids are on screens. Right. It's still like I didn't have, we ran around in the woods with sticks when I was a kid and now everybody's on screens. Um, the world is different. So you got to like grieve. Your kid isn't going to have your experiences. Now, if you can do that, if you can properly grieve that the world has changed and your kid is not growing up in the world, now you can get creative. Right. It's not a giving up and no. just like giving in. But it's right. once you can grieve it and accept it, then you can have the imagination of how am I going to integrate this into our life in a healthy way where yes. I'm not always frustrated and against right. this thing that my kid really wants to do. Right. But how are we going to like um, give it some boundaries? Yeah, so the world isn't how it was. If you can make peace with that, now you have a shot. That's some imagination. That's some imagination and joy. And then whatever was it was that really, truly was wonderful about that, well, then how do you bring that back in, in like a way that, works mm -hmm. well that 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 becomes very interesting creative work then curiosity is now the engine can we do that um and yeah that's good i didn't think that's nowhere in my notes Kristen. No, this is what happens yeah this is what happens yeah so there is a power and gravitas and meaning that comes from impermanence the whole thing is fleeting um, I mean, obviously, uh, like you think about Buddhism and it's beginning with impermanence. Um, I mean, there are, there are traditions that have done a wonderful job of articulating this. If you grasp, you will suffer in some way. Right. It's one of the causes um, of suffering, right? Is or the, the, the is yes, exactly. One of the causes of suffering. Um, or the rock garden where it gets raked in a particular way and then you re-rake it. That it was just right. there for a moment, raked that way. And then it gets cleaned up, smoothed over, and then it gets raked with a different design. And then it gets just to keep reminding you, there's this, enjoy it. Uh, it's a sandcastle. Right. And, and the tide is rising. And as So it, just enjoy it. As it changes, you can find the beauty in it. I would think Absolutely. that's what the rock garden is, is suggesting. Absolutely. There's a new beauty. And so you're like... Oh, why did that get ruined? Or if that was that fantastic, if the world can make that, what else is out there? Yeah. If it could do that. I mean, that's what you and I, like 25 years of good times. Right. If it could have been, if it could have been this good, and good by good, I mean including difficult and gut-wrenching and heartbreaking and awesome all right, at the same right. time. When you That's start, what I mean by When good. you start to see those things as adding part to of it. the creation. Oh, the disharmony is part of the harmony. 
then it becomes, well, if it could produce, if that came our way. Right. What else? What's what's coming next? It really, it helps you, when you see the pattern, then it helps you have trust in what's coming next. That's it. You start to see it as a pattern, a sine wave. Then you begin to trust the pattern. Right. <sighs> yeah. That's good. Do you have anything else in your notes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I just had a couple ideas. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a little rusty coming back to the Robcast. I started, you know, I, every, every six months I got to like wander away. Yeah. You, and just you, stop making things and stop talking. You, see, you've learned in life that you have that rhythm. Oh, yeah. That every, every six months you need to take a little bit of time where you're not thinking about creating <laughs> new things. Right. Seriously, three weeks ago, I was like, I have a podcast? I call it the Robcast? What a weird idea. Really? It felt that foreign? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it happens. Mm-hmm. I have to get far enough away from what I do that I'm like, you just talk in public about stuff that means stuff. <laughs> Things. It's like you're looking at your life from outside of I it. I look at my life and I'm like, that's just... And people like... There are people who find that something helpful. What? I literally just have like a giant question mark about it. And then... And then uh, it comes back. Yeah. If I walk away, then it comes back. And that, and then uh, you mentioned the fig tree. And, and how, like, how long ha- did that take for you to learn that rhythm? How old am I? 49? <laughs> No, but I mean, you've been, you've been following it for the last couple of years. Uh, yeah. But it took a long time to figure that out. I learned that I have to take my, I have to built in not taking myself seriously in order to take it seriously. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a version of Sabbath. It's like a seasonal yeah, Sabbath. It's a, yeah. I laugh a lot. Because I take it seriously, because it's absurd, because it, I'm serious about this. So yeah. if I, uh, understanding the dialectic, the paradox built into all of it. Um, you walk away and have nothing to say so that you can have something to say. Right. Um, otherwise. And do you ever get scared that it's not going to come back? No. At first I did. Yeah. When I started listening to my rhythms, I would be like, it's time to stop talking. It's time to stop talking. That's what would just come up within me. It was just so loud. It's time to stop talking. Stop being Rob Bell. It's time to stop talking. Stop giving sermons. Stop coming up with new thing ideas. Stop. And I would override it and then just melt down. So mm-hmm. when I started to listen to it, then, so like right now, entering into this fall, I have all these new things to say. But only because, whatever, a month ago, three weeks ago, I had nothing. <laughs> yeah. I have to have nothing in order to have something. And you've learned not to be afraid during Not that afraid time. at all. Yeah. No, no, you have to walk away. No, now I know it's how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then new stuff comes up that I never, I've never, uh, uh, an episode called We Have a Fig Tree. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, just an impermanence and poignancy and nostalgia and scarcity. Where'd that come from? Right, and you've the done and you've it. done how many Robcasts? What is this? Two hundred fifty-three. <laughs> Two hundred fifty-three. <laughs> and this is a brand new idea that you've never talked about. 
You just keep uh, generating. Yeah. But um, it, it's a belief in new creation. Right, exactly. So you got to have the dark waters at some level in order to have the new creation. Right. So it's fine. You have to have nothing to say so you can have something to say. Yeah, it's, it's beyond me. It sure is fun. Yeah. Sure is fun. I see that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the Robcast and starting the Robcast. Yeah, and next August, we have a fig tree, and there will be bags. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's welcome to come by. I don't know if we have that many big bags or figs. Yeah. Uh, Robcast friends, it's good to be back. Much love to all of you. And, uh, you know, Chicago, Champaign, and Indianapolis. I'll see you in a few days. And uh, grace and peace.